Listeners, if you love getting cash back like I do, then you've got to get the Get Upside app right now. Get cash back on your everyday purchases without changing anything about how you shop or live. You'll pay however you normally do with a credit card or debit card, and cash back will be deposited directly to your GetUpside account. There's no limit on how much you can earn. GetUpside even works with other coupons, discounts, and loyalty programs. First, you claim your offer. Find local offers on everything from gasoline to restaurants and everything in between. Second, you spend. You shop as you would at your favorite spots around town. Third, check in or scan receipts. Check in to log your purchase, and you'll be on your way. Finally, get rewards. Earn cash back and cash out whenever you want via PayPal, e-gift card, or check. It's just that simple. I love coffee, and I get mine for free just by earning cash back from GetUpside. Download the app and get started getting your cash back today. Click on the link in the description of this episode to get started. Welcome to the Great Iron Stud Show. Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino. We're back. We've taken a little bit of a break, but we're back in action. You know why, Emil? You know what's driven us here? We're going to come here anyway. But we would like to thank the National Football League for providing us with so much content for you and I to talk about. Every year, it's those first couple of days of free agency that is just absolutely the craziest signings, the craziest moves. And it just makes you wonder, how do all these things happen if they're not supposed to talk prior to the start of free agency? Well, wait, no, but they they actually created that what they call legal tampering period. So it's kind of odd. <laughs> free agency starts at four o'clock today, but they have a legal tampering period. So doesn't that really mean that that it starts at the beginning of the legal tampering period? Yeah, well, you know, they want to have that official kickoff. If the NFL knows one thing, yes, it's how to make a television show out of their ongoings. They've, Absolutely. they've definitely learned that over the years, the importance of television. Um, and with and in that regard, I'm you know, as you may or may not know, if you've just tuned into the show for the first time. I do train defensive backs, and one of the big things I do every year is train guys for the combine and pro day. And it's funny when I have to go back and tell these guys, listen, in our day, and when I'm saying my day is when I was coming out, you did not know what happened at the combine. You had no clue. Um, it certainly was not televised. The internet had just started up the year I came out, basically for everyone. You know, there were news groups, and it's certainly yeah, but it wasn't the internet of today. I mean, that no, was back in the AOL media, days. Yeah, social media did not exist yeah. in any way, shape, or form. And to be honest, it was kind of a hush hush thing. The combine was a hush hush thing, and I don't know who came up with the bright idea to say, "Hey, let's start televising this thing." Because, you know, apparently people would really, really be interested in 40-yard dash times and other, you know, amazing feats of uh, human beings. And so, you know, because it's now a television show, so to speak, I am I have been a little hesitant to believe everything that comes out of there, including the 40 time. So, well, you know, the, the ratings, I just read something. The ratings are way down on it, though. Are they? Yes. Maybe? Maybe people are, you know, have reached a level of, okay, all right, whatever. Everyone runs a 4-2 now. Maybe it's, maybe it was overkill. I don't know. but And some of the stuff that we, you know, you and I have covered this in our draft shows. I mean, some of the stuff, while semi-relevant, I mean, I think fans may, maybe, I hope, maybe I'm just hoping this, are getting a little smarter. Like, I mean, you have to run a certain speed to be able to play wide receiver or defensive back in the NFL. But, like, it's not the be-all, end-all. I mean, a guy who runs 4-4 doesn't necessarily translate into being a great corner or wide receiver. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, you can't run a 5, but, I mean. Well, you know, they're getting close close to calling 4-4 average speed, by the way. That's just where they're going. Yeah, I'm not sure I believe all that, though. No, um, it's, it's, it's nonsense, you know, and in the same regard you know because you had the highest gpa when you got into harvard doesn't mean you're going to achieve the most uh no. getting into harvard there's a whole lot of other things that get into that and so i'm not going to dig that deep into the combine i think that's the the entirety of the conversation that we're going to have today about it before we jump into all of the football stuff 
Um, and before we even get into our topics today, if it's your first time joining us on the show, um, we'd appreciate it if you go ahead and hit the subscribe button on whatever you're listening to us on, whether it's Apple Podcast, um, you know, Spotify, Anchor. Uh, we'd appreciate you joining us there. If you're on Facebook, go check out the Gridiron Stud Show on Facebook. We do have our own page there and yeah, good things to come on the Facebook page for Gridiron Stud Show. So we'd appreciate you guys doing that. But anyway, tomorrow kicks off the NCAA tournament. Emil, how much college basketball have you watched this season? Uh, maybe six quarters. I've watched zero. And Emil, this is coming from someone who used to really, I, I had a period of my time in which I avidly watched college basketball. Oh, me too. I mean, I think I think most people our age group did. I mean, that was before you, know, you had the right, you know, right to the NBA or the one and done. I mean, we were back when when Michael Jordan played three years. You know, so, I mean, we watched it because we saw some of the best players play three and four years. So is it just that or is it something else working here as to why? And I don't know, maybe you have seen this. What are the ratings like for college basketball? That I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the tournament ratings are still good because of the pool gambling aspect. I'm not sure what regular season college basketball ratings are. I mean, let's be honest, people who are multi-sport people like ourselves that like football, basketball, baseball, and some other sports, I don't think most people start following college basketball in earnest anyway until after the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't know if it was just if it's just me um, or you know if this is common across the board where the viewership is fault. I have zero interest in regular season college basketball. I did not watch any of the conference tournaments, including the ACC tournament involving you know my alma mater. So I think the only college basketball that I'm going to watch is going to be the NCAA tournament, and I'm not sure how much of that I'm going to watch, to be honest. Well, I have a, if you really want to know, I have a couple. I think it's a combination of several things, at least for certain age groups. I can't speak to what you know the the, the millennials do at college basketball, but people our age and a little, you know, in that bracket, a little younger, a little older. One, I think the season got incredibly long in that I don't ever remember college basketball games in early November when we were younger. Okay. So I think they've really extended the season. They start playing games in November. That's number one. Number two, I think what we, what I touched on in terms of players, uh, one and done that, that kind of, diminished a lot of interest i think the game itself has become a three-point shooting contest i mean if you watch your average college basketball game there's very few teams that have centers i mean you and i remember when hakeem elijah and patrick ewing and ralph sampson and ralph sampson dominated college basketball the game has gone completely the other direction now it's all guards and small forwards maybe there's one big guy on the court and I call him, he's the sun. You throw the ball to the sun, either right. at the block or at the tee. He stands there with the ball up high because no one can get their hands up there. And he looks for the, one of the planets revolving yeah. around the three-point line and throws him the ball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that's what the game has evolved into. But, um, you know, maybe I'll watch tomorrow because you do kind of like the first couple of days well, you're gonna watch miami if they're on right yeah i'll, I'll watch yeah. um really depending on what time they come on to be honest um uh, and then um i'm going to look to see if there are any of those major upsets those first days yeah i'll probably tune out of the round of 32 i'll hop back in maybe sweet 16 or you know the last eight I'll probably pop back in in there. I just kind of know that that's how. But I think I think you're touching on something though. I, I'm not even sure it's a college basketball thing. I, I suspect at one point when you were younger, you watched a lot of NBA basketball, right? Um, yeah, only because of an attachment to the players. Not yeah, the players. I but I did too. So my point is, I used to watch the NBA up until my, I'd say, early 30s. You know, but once Jordan retired and Magic and that crew went away and they started changing the NBA game to a lot of what I've just described where guys are, you see 53 point shots jacked up every, in every game. Mm. I lost interest. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe, the, maybe the younger crowd, younger generation has not, and maybe that's who's fueling ratings. 
But yeah, for guys like you and I, it's just so much of a changed game. And, you know, you wonder if that's going to at some point happen to the NFL as well, since, you know, the game is changing so much there. There's such a movement to try and get so many points scored that, you know, it looks a little watered down. But that's not a discussion for today. We're full more into free agency. So there's all kind of movement going on. Biggest story of the day is Aaron Rodgers confirming his move to the Jets and that it's being held up by the Green Bay Packers, who maybe people didn't realize this, are holding the chips in this whole situation. It seems to me, just by what has transpired and what I'm hearing Aaron Rodgers say, is that the Packers probably told Aaron, I think we've reached the end of the road here. We're going to go in a different direction, and you're free to do what you want. And, oh, by the way, you know we're going to want some kind of compensation. It's a win for the Packers here. We're going to want some kind of compensation, obviously, for you, and we're going to name our price, and we can kind of be a bully about it. That's just what I'm getting. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think I think because he's already on the roster at this point, you know, and when they trade him, you know, any any signing bonuses get forwarded against the cap anyway. So, yeah, they kind of – they've already moved on. They've got a quarterback in the building that they consider their his replacement, so I don't think they have to be in any hurry here. You know – Emil, over the years, we've seen this. We're obviously experienced guys. And typically what this amounts into is a grand total of two years out of a quarterback like this when moves like this are made. You're going to get two two years of maybe good football play. I think with Aaron Rodgers, just two years in total. I think it would be two and then he's And out. you might not even get great play. I mean, when you know, this, this is very reminiscent. He's turning 40. If we remember when Favre left the Packers, he had that period with the Vikings where they probably should have made a Super Bowl. They lost that one in New Orleans, or they could have made it. Let's put it that way. And then he finished up his career with the Jets. And the only thing memorable Favre did with the Jets was take pictures of his private areas and send them to female staff. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to be PG sent dick pics, and that was probably the most memorable thing about his Jets career. Yes. That's how he rounded off his spine. That's how he rounded off that career before he started getting uh, welfare money yeah. out of Mississippi. <laughs> yes, that's the second, um, you know, coming up Brett Favre. But, yes, um, I, I want to say we got really only two good years of play out of Brett Favre post-Green Bay. We got two years, I think, of play in general from Peyton Manning when he left Indianapolis. Yes. What did we did we get two or three years out of Tom Brady after he left New England? I'd say we got two. I mean, this year was. I mean, I don't care what the numbers say. He didn't look very Bradyish to me. Yeah, well, but yeah. we just got two years just in total. Uh, three, um, three. Remember, three. he left. He yeah, because he won the Super Bowl. Then they got eliminated by the Rams. That's right. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So um, history says we'll get two years out of Aaron Rodgers, whether that's two good years or just two years in general, I'm leaning more to just it being two years. He's going to give this a go in New York and see what it looks like. I think they'll play well enough to make him think, all right, let me give this an honest run at, you know, year one was a little toss up. Let's just kind of feel this out. It'll look good enough for him to come back for another year and then he'll hang it up. But I'm not sure, you know, a lot was put on his receivers last year. Sure. They were lacking early on but I'm not sure you know he just isn't the guy we thought he you know he used to be I mean age is obviously a factor right I mean sure but I mean you know he's going to a New York market and you know I know Aaron Aaron Rodgers understands the media but you you lived in New York like this isn't Green Bay where they love the Packers I mean you know if you if you suck in New York you're on the back page of the post okay yeah. With the, with, with, the funny, with the funny headline. Yeah. Um, two things, though. His experience last year with the receiving core for the Green Bay Packers may prepare him for what he's going to have coming with the Jets. Not saying they don't have a good receiving core, but it is a young group. Uh, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and things of that. Mm -hmm. So he's experienced that this year. The second part is he's been playing a game with the media for several years now. So he has a little bit of enough combat training to perhaps deal with the New York media if there is such a thing. He's probably better prepared for that than any other person just walking into that situation. So I don't think he's going to be overly affected there. And 
Aaron Rodgers can give it to the media as, as just as good as, you know, he can get it from them. So um, that will be fun to see. But what they are this year, I have no idea. You want to take a stab at that? Well, for the Jets, I mean, I don't I don't hate the move from the simple perspective of, one, you're the Jets, right? So you're the number two team in the football market in New York. You're the, No offense to Jet fans, but you're the Mets right. in baseball. No matter how good the Mets are, you're not the Yankees, okay? So you want to stir some interest. This this puts you kind of ahead of the Giants for a year. Like you're you're more interesting than the Giants, I think, even though the Giants had a better season. Right. They have a good defense, or on paper they should. I mean, they had a good defense last year. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, they have the the rookie of the year offensively and defensively, because they had you know the corner. Yes. Yep. And then they have Wilson. Yeah. So he's he's coming with some talent around him. They keep him upright. You would think he's a better quarterback than what they played last year. So so they should improve offensively. If the defense stays the same or gets better, they're a playoff team. And that's really all the Jets fans can can really ask for. But there's more to come on this. We'll see what it is the Packers are really asking for and if the Jets are willing to give it. Emil, I would think they're just going to have to at some point relent and give the Packers. Well, what do you think? I mean, what do you think they're asking for? Well, the story out there is that they're not asking for multiple number one picks. So that tells me they probably want a first and a second or a first and a third, which the Jets are going to have to give up. You know, Jets, you you wanted a franchise guy, um, albeit for a year or two. And so that's worth a that's worth a first round pick. And if that, I'm the Jets, I'm willing to give up my first round pick this year with 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 a, with a uh, maybe a first and a third. Yeah, and perhaps that is what they're asking. I mean, I, I'd give that up for the simple reason that I'm pot committed, as poker, we say in poker. Hmm. You, you know, you've got a young team. You've already stirred the pot now. The interest is there. If you get off this hand right now, there's tremendous. about the New York media, they will stand on your head. So yeah, you and then who, and, and what's, your, what's your solution? I mean, let's say it falls apart. Zach Wilson? Clearly, they don't want to go make that move right now. Um, this is Aaron Rodgers. He put, you know, Jordan Love's career on hold. He's heading to New York to put Zach Wilson's career on hold. He's the career holder, and no one will feel like it, no one should expect Aaron Rodgers to feel any kind of a way about that because we all know how his career started. He started on hold. So, um, yeah, you don't have an alternative that you like if you're the New York Jets. So. I think the Packers are in a really, really strong position here. If Jordan Love is what they think he is, they'll be getting a decent quarterback to start off here. And they're going to have some, they're going to have the ability to put some pieces around him, at least while he still has some time on that rookie contract. So um, the Packers look strong here. Yeah. But, and the real question for me, for the Jets, though, looking at this trade is if, if let's assume it goes through at this point, if, Rodgers has to get off to a fast start in the season because he he can become very annoying to a team that's young mm-hmm. and, you know, f- feels like they're gelling and they're missing the quarterback. If he comes in and he's not the savior, things can get ugly for him quick. It's, yes, especially if the fans think that he kind of, for lack of a better term, bullied the Jets into bringing Nathaniel Hackett on and also signing Aaron Lazard. Yes, one would have to think that this is what uh, kind of a silent demand, maybe that Aaron Rodgers made. So they're all in. They're going to have to give the, and then they're going to have to give up some really high picks. Uh, it seems for the. But I'm okay with that part because of the simple reason: the Jets have been drafting. It seems like in the top five for the last five or six years. Exactly. Give it away to someone else that knows what. Yeah. Let someone else take a shot. Yes. Um, news out today. Your Dallas Cowboys have reached the end of the road with Ezekiel Elliott. Amol, anyone with eyes that work and knows anything about this game knows that he's a far cry from the rookie um, in second year Zeke Elliott. So he was on the decline. His um, make his his fast decline does not do any favors for future running backs looking for second contracts. It doesn't do any favors for running backs just in general. This might even hurt guys that are coming out this year who thought they might have been first round picks because I think teams are looking at this like yep 
This is what we've all been saying for over the last maybe decade that we don't need to go high on running backs, and we're definitely not trying to give them big second time. Well, you can't measure it in terms of years. I think with running backs, we all know you have to look at carries, right? It touches. Yes. Zeke's last Pro Bowl season was 2019, so three seasons ago. He got he was averaging five yards a carry that season. He's down to three eight, three nine. It's obvious to anybody that watches enough Dallas Cowboy football. The guy still plays hard. He just lost a step and a half. I mean, there's no other way around it. When you watch him run, he's lost a step and a half. He's still a willing blocker. I mean, he's good in pass protection. And I think what happened here is he said he was willing to take a pay cut. My guess is he was scheduled to make about $11 million this year in real salary. And, you know, he was probably thinking pay cut like five and a half, six million. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I'm guessing here. I have no knowledge. The Cowboys probably said two million. We view, we view you as a backup running back. And he said, what are you, crazy? And then it was like, well, you know, thanks for your service. Well, what are they doing at running back? Well, Pollard is going to be the running back. And, the, and I think they're going to use the draft at some point to take a running back. Now, if the kid from Texas and they're talking falls far enough, Dallas is picking low enough this year, like 25th or 26th, where you could justify if Robinson's there taking him at that pick. But if not, I I think they're quite comfortable. Uh, Malik Davis, their third running back, was solid when he got in games last year, and I think they'd use the draft in the second, third, fourth round. I think you would have to consider it. I mean, Pollard did have the injury at the end of the season. You're cutting, you're letting Zeke go. And look, in Zeke's mind, he probably thought, well, look, Pollard goes down with this injury. I'm probably going to be relied upon more here, at least in the early going. And I, I might have a chance to restore some of the credit I've lost with the media and fans out there and know quite the opposite. Chad, he just doesn't, you, you see it, you watch it on football. He just really doesn't have. No, and, well, it seems like he didn't take care of his body right the offseason stuff and it's it's kind of grueling what these running backs seem to have to need to do in the offseason it you know the guys that you see still chugging along like derrick henry he's all over social media with the stuff that he does in the offseason as is as the same with nick chubb two guys that are still very strong performers in this league and i don't think anyone's had more touches than derrick henry just he's made an effort to take care of his body. You know how many touches Zeke has had, though, in seven years? How many? Over 2,000. And so... Uh, so seven years, do the math. He's averaging almost 300 touches a year. I, I mean, that's not crazy. No, but over seven years, that's a lot of touches in today's game. Let's see what Derrick Henry has had as we go through here. Let um, and, and there was... I'm not into fantasy geek. Um, but there was a really good stat that I heard one time listening on the radio, and it was a guy that had done his tre- a tremendous amount of research, because that's kind of what these fantasy guys do. And he said, historically, once a running back gets to 400 touches in a season, he begins the decline in his career. And you know, I went and followed up on that research, and it kind of really um, measures out that way. There was only... A handful of guys who... You know how many Henry's had? What's that? 1,877. He came out the same year as, as Elliot. He's had some injury years. Um, right. So, uh, But what I'm trying to say is, I mean, you know, as much as we, we, we know he's a workhorse, Derrick Henry, Elliot's had, had more touches than Derrick Henry. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see. And you know what? Derrick Henry has not had a 400-touch season. But as I'm looking at this, he did have 397 touches in 2020. And lo and behold, he missed half the games last year, the year after. Now, now Tony Pollard's going to turn 26 this spring. He's had 600 touches. And at Memphis, he, he played some wide receiver, too. So he wasn't like a workhorse, you know, in college getting beat up. So you got a guy with fresh legs. Yes. Oh, and I, you know, I may have confused people. In 2020, Derrick Henry had 397 touches. Uh, 200, two, he did hit eclipse that 2,000 yard rushing mark, and then the following year, he missed half the games with an injury. And uh, he, the 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 last two years, his average yards per carry have been the lowest 
since his second year in the league. So again, there's that stat, you know, coming in. And I'm going to look at Zeke. I find this kind of stuff a little bit fascinating. My God, am I a fantasy geek? Well, it is fascinating because it plays out that way. I'm looking at Zeke right now, 2,186 touches. Are you seeing his are you seeing his year by year? Sure, his year by year, uh, you know, first year in the league, 354. Second year, he missed some games, so he was at 270. Then he went up to 381, 355. I mean, you know, the, the guy. Well, look up- at it, Amel, though. 381 is his high watermark, right? Yeah. In that third season, average 4.7 yards per carry, and it's been a decline ever since. Sure. So maybe there's just, something to that. You and I know this, and we've talked about this on other shows over the years. The two toughest positions in the NFL in terms, I think, of getting beat up is obviously running back and linebacker, right? Those guys are in collisions all the time. Why do you think teams – you have to have six linebackers and two or three on your practice squad because guys at that position are always missing games. And why? Because they're running into running backs. (laughs) Yes. By the way, I'm pulling this stuff from Stat News. I do want to give them a shout-out. It's one of my favorite – uh, you know, it's one of my favorite websites online. They've got really, really good information here um, and easy to find. So I went and looked up Nick Chubb, Amel. Fun fact on Nick Chubb, he's never, he's not had a season over 350 touches, by the way. So good job by Cleveland keeping him clean, even though um, I don't know if that'll be the case this year, because I think uh, I'm, I'm forgetting who was the other running back that was there from the Kansas City Chiefs. He's trying to get up out of there once again. But anyway, fun fact, Nick Chubb has averaged five yards per carry or more in each of his five seasons in the NFL. Wow. Pretty impressive. That that is impressive. Let me ask you this before we get off this player and go to the next subject, just because I'm curious what your theory is on this since you train guys. What is it about the position that causes a guy to quote unquote lose a step is it that the injuries are nagging and you don't even realize it you're like why would you at 27 years old lose enough speed or or burst versus 23 years old i mean it doesn't seem like that much of a difference wear and tear you age faster at that position uh you are taking those hits to all parts of your body it is unlike any other position uh, that's that's played in this game. Any position you play on the defensive side of the ball, you by and large know when you're going to have that contact. Right. You know, you're going to tackle, you know you're about to tackle a guy. If you're rushing and a guy's coming to block you, most of the time, you know it's coming. Running backs face the most surprise hits, you know, yeah. the league. Um, and you're hit just about everywhere on your body, especially in your legs. You do get those hits to the knees, to the thighs, um, and that stuff can have its wear and tear on top of all of the running that you're doing. In so it's just kind of like that term, it makes your legs heavy after a while. It does. It balls your tires, man. And just, you know, how much of those hits can you just keep taking, you know, over and over and over again? There have only been a, a handful of guys that have really been able to do that for an extended period of time. One of them played for your favorite team, and he's the all-time career leading rusher and then a guy like adrian peterson who's probably not all you know wrapped too tight i'm gonna look him up but you know that's why you know to to your point there and we'll take this back to current free agents in a second because it's an interesting point at least i'd like to make there's a guy that i think even though he's the all-time rushing leader emmett smith is believe it or not underrated because people like to say about how good his offensive line was and it was but What he did for his career and and the effectiveness with which he did it is astonishing if you think about it. It is, Amol, but, you know, he was never a flashy guy. So the same things are said about his college career, which was high quality. He's just a guy that would get the football and run. Emmitt Smith ran the football the way everyone's running back coach taught them to run with the football. I can guarantee you no running back coach teaches any of their kids to run the way Barry Sanders did. I guarantee you no running back coach taught their guys back then or teaches them now to run the way Eric Dickerson did straight up and down. Um, Oh, you're talking about with actual technique. 
Yeah, the running style. What Emmett sure. Smith does is 100% the way coaches teach running backs to run with the football. Get behind your pads, um, absorb contact, one cut. And, and Emmett Smith had incredible vision. And, you know, he didn't leave a lot of yards on the field. And what I mean, you know, Barry Sanders, right, could pop any play for, for 80 yards, 70 yards. And also Very, seven yards. On that's right. He'd leave yards on the field because he was always trying to hit the yeah. 70 yarder. And let's be honest, he did a lot of times. That's why he's. Yeah, you would never coach. change that as a coach. You know, you would never do no. that. Yeah. One of the biggest things that um, I've always said and what I did when I was a little league coach, uh, I would tell the coach coaching the running backs, your job is to coach him from the time that ball is snapped till the time the ball is put in his belly. After that, stop coaching that kid. Right. You let what's natural take over. We're not trying to change any of that stuff. If there's some ball security issues, yes, you try and fix that. Uh, and if you have a guy that just won't hit the hole, then you know what? We'll tell him a few times and then you need to play another position. But when you got a natural runner, don't go tinkering with that. Let a guy do what he does. No, I, but I think with running backs, a lot of times, unless you hit a once in a lifetime guy like a Dickerson or a Sanders, I think what frustrates most coaches is. If a play is designed for four yards, you want the guy to at least get four yards. Then right. anything he does after that, that's fine. That's awesome. You got eight. Awesome. But if it's designed for four and you get me minus two, that's a problem. <laughs> Staying on that little stat, looking at Adrian Peterson's career, remember his 2,000-yard year? Yes. He had 388 touches that year. High watermark for him. Yes. 388 touches. And then... You can, if you're looking at the grid, um, you can just see the decline came right after that. The next year, he had his lowest, second lowest total of his career. Then he had the ACL tear the next year, came back and had that miraculous year after that. And then really his, his career was on the steep decline after that. So, man, you know, once you hit that 400 mark or get close to it, you're really probably done as a running back. So, Do you think we're almost at the point in this league where we're making the position generic to a degree? I would hope not. I I think we are, but by and large, if you're going to be a championship team, you better have something at that position. That's well, I'm not saying you can't have anything. What I mean is that most teams view it as, you know, I'm not going to look for the next. You better be very special. Yeah, I'm not going to look for the next Barry Sanders or Emmett Smith or Eric Dickerson. I just want two or three good backs. You know, I don't care if they each get 500 yards. I'll be happy with that. I don't I don't need a star. That and I would say this is trickled down to all levels of football. You know, at the top level, they're not really valuing running backs. So not as many talented kids physically are into that position now at the lowest levels and coming up. The more talented kids of that ilk are playing receiver or playing defensive back or they're playing. If they're a big guy, they're playing defensive end or linebacker. They're not going to the running back position. Whereas when we were kids or young men, your most talented kids would go to that running back position. So you do get an Eric Dickerson. You do get a Barry Sanders. You do get an Adrian Peterson. You do get those type of players coming out. We're not really getting those kind of players anymore coming up through the high school, college ranks. Those guys are playing other positions. Right. That makes, so, makes there's sense. No one, there's no one really worthy of saying that's going to be our first round pick. Uh, that's a top 15. Pick. Right. Not getting those kind of players anymore. It makes sense. Yeah. So that's the story. Are you a guy that can predict the future or may have a mean poker face? How about a love for horses or you just know who's going to win the game? Don't just be a profit, make a profit. And you can do that when you open an account at Bovada Sportsbook and Casino today. Whether it's getting down on the gridiron action, wiping out the dealer in a card game, making some change on the race of the ponies, or cashing in on celebrity events, Bovada Casino is the place for you to draw your line. Since 2011, Bovada has been a leader in the online casino industry, spearheaded by their top-of-the-line customer service, easy deposit, secure payouts, and great welcome bonuses. Head over to Bovada now to see what they're offering you to come in and scratch that itch you're having. Click on the link in the description and tell them the Gridiron Stud Show sent you. Um, this was a bit of a surprise in the way that it was done. 
the Eagles today cut Darius Slay. Um, you know, if anyone's been following the story, we knew that Slay wanted out of there. He did ask to be traded. And, you know, a good portion of this was the fact that the Eagles went and brought in Matt Patricia, Mr. Pencil under the hat himself. And as we all remember, Patricia was the head coach in Detroit when Darius Slay was there, and they didn't have a really good relationship. But you know, I also think there's more to that story, right? I I, I think, you know, I think the Eagles are trying. We're, we're going to be forced to make a decision because of the cap. I mean, they already, you know, we know they loaded up last year. Yes. So they lost Hargraves to the 49ers, mm-hmm. which is a whole other story. We could talk about what the 49ers defensive line might look like. Um, and then they re-signed Bradbury. He got a nice three-year, $38 million deal. He's three years younger than Slay. So now they're in a position where they're going to be forced, I think, if they keep Slay, he was making $17 million, mm-hmm. or counting against the cap at least $17 million. They weren't going to be able to, to re-sign the safety, Gardner Johnson. And he's well, the younger. tag, and they allowed him to test free agency. Yeah, but I, I think they want to keep him. So I think that they, you know, clearing the, the slay cap space is going to help them do that. I would think that was what they were thinking of doing. And in a roundabout of a way, they, bringing in Patricia helped that. <laughs> I mean, it gets in- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, you know, the, it was all over Twitter yesterday. I saw that I'm not on there, but I did. I do get it in the Bleacher Report, the tweets, mm-hmm. uh, that they called the Cowboys about a trade. For slay? Yes. So it's obvious that your team was in the market for a big... And the Cowboys said, uh, no, thank you. Wow. Because you know of the, the difference in salary. Uh, he was going to cost he uh, cost an extra $8 million from what they eventually did. Over Gilmore? Yes. I guess. I would have to think for Darius Slay in that situation, he might have been willing to take less. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to stand on the table. And then at this point now... I don't know who's going to take on a salary like that for for Darius Slay. Well, he's, once he's cut, he's going to be able to renegotiate whatever deal he's going to renegotiate. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I don't know if that's what he's going to come out of this thing with. I'm suspecting, obviously, not. He's but, not coming out of there with the money he was making. Or no, no, I don't think so. And he's an underrated corner. In oh, he's very good. He's 32 years old. He's still got some some. He played well last year. This was not a performance thing. It, I think it was. This was purely. The accountants got together and said, hey, you got to make a decision. And then, as you said, he doesn't have a good relationship with the coach you're bringing in. And it made sense. Listen, we're going to tr- only keep one of these guys. This guy's not going to be happy. Let's see if we could trade him. And if not, you know, let him go someplace else. Of what you know of Darius Slay, what, where would you think would be a good place for him to turn to, to end up? Anywhere. I mean, the guy can still play. I mean, did you see, did you think he was, a, like, what, what was your, as a guy who does this, I thought he played well last year. Very well. Yeah. yeah very well. Um, and and then there's a ton of good football left in Darius Slay. I thought he was a Pro Bowl player last year, and he got, you know. Maybe he makes a run for a team that, you know, you know at this stage he's well, got. He should have made all pro. I think he did make the Pro Bowl. But, yeah. yeah, but maybe he goes, looks for a situation where he feels he's on a contender. Maybe he looks. Go to the New York Giants. The Giants? Go to the New York Giants. And stick it to the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, he, you know, I was thinking maybe he tries to hook himself up with a Kansas City, a Buffalo. Who knows? I think Kansas City really likes their young defense yeah. situation there. So I don't, I don't know that that's off the top of my head. The first thing that comes to mind is good in the New York Giants. You know, they were a playoff team. The like, Giants don't have a lot of cap space. Well, we agree that he's not going to be able to make the kind of money that. Well, he's going to get. He's going to make himself eight to ten million a year. Yeah, I guess it's at this point what really do you want? But um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have the cap space. Speaking number. of the Giants, and, and let's tie this together. What the hell are the Raiders doing? Man, I don't know. I have no idea. First, we what are they doing? The Garoppolo pick, which I happen to like. But yeah, I like that. I'm okay. We're fifty-fifty on it. And Devontae Adams, who's like the biggest guy you've got on the team right now, had a little bit of a cryptic week after the Garoppolo signing that said, if I don't have your phone number, if you don't have my phone number, or I haven't talked to you over the last, in the last three weeks, don't ask me anything about this shit, basically. So yeah. I don't know how he feels about the Garoppolo thing. I think he just really wanted Carr there. 
So it's like getting a stepdad. I really wanted my real dad around. Yeah. So I've got this stepdad dude. And uh, I'm just going to be a jerk at first. Maybe he turns out to be a good guy, but well, I'm going to. I think Garoppolo's competent. I'm just not sure. And, and I like the familiarity asking, there with, you know, the head coach. So I'm just asking the question more. So I don't even. I, I'm not pretending I have an opinion. Or I don't know what they were doing with Waller. That was stupid, in my opinion. Well, he's 29, 30 years old. Not not old, but. I think that was again a money thing. In other, in other words, I think they'd be fine with him at a lower number, but at what he was oh, making. For God's sakes, he's one of a kind in this league. We can readily admit that the position that's eating the most in this league right now is tight end because defenses are struggling to get an individual that can get on that side of the ball and do anything about a guy that's dominant at that position. Waller is one of the dominant guys at that position. And for something like that, especially bringing in a Jimmy G, who's not a down-the-field thrower, sign that guy. Right. But let me hit you with this, just just so, you know, I'm going geek on you here. Waller's going to turn 31 when the season starts, okay? He had two, his two big years were 19 and 20, okay? He, he, he had 90 catches for 11.45. The next year, 107 for 11.96 and nine touchdowns, okay? 21, he only plays 11 games, 55 catches, 665 yards. Last year, nine games, 28 catches, 388 yards. So, I mean, I think that's one of those things where it's a combination of this guy's making a lot of money. He's on the wrong side of 30. He's starting to show injuries now. I mean, he's played 20 games in the last two years. He's not 30 yet, so he's on the right side of 30. He is 30. He turns 31 on September 13th. See, I looked these things up. I might even send him a birthday card. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But I'm not not criticizing the player. I'm trying to figure the Raiders out here. I think that they put him on a three year contract, guarantee two years of it, and let's go. Come on, Raiders. They brought Myers in, right? I don't know. Do you like Myers? I'd rather have Waller as a target than okay. Myers. Okay, that's your answer. I, I'm not, I'm asking you. I yeah, don't there's know. Nothing, there's nothing anyone in in New England catching a football over the last couple of years says to me, we've got to get that guy. Yeah, I know. They, and they, they paid the guy good money. I just – here's the thing. I don't think at the quarterback position, I think they're the same guy. Like, in other words, they're, they're, they don't play the same way, but I'm not sure Garoppolo is any better than Derek Carr. No, I think it boils down to a familiarity <laughs> thing. That's all it that's all it's about. Yeah. When, we, when I as Josh McDaniels say this, Jimmy knows that that's what this means. And there's just not going to be any friction. I'm going to be honest, I watched a good amount of Raider games, the coaches copies last year. Yeah. Card wasn't operating right in that system. He's one of maybe three or four guys that I watched on film last year that just was not clicking with the offense. Obviously, Russell Wilson was one of the other guys. Right. He just was not clicking with that system. And he didn't look like a Geno Smith in Seattle's offense. Seattle's offense, he was clicking. He he, he knew the yeah. reasons. He ran through them. Most of the time, he was putting the ball um, where it needed to be. He's going to the right receiver through the reads. You just can notice all of that. You just didn't have that with a Derek Carr. It, there was a lot of pumping and holding and pulling the ball back. And if Devontae Adams was covered or they decided to double him in a game, he just didn't really know where to go and what to do with the football. And this guy's obviously been in the league for a while. So it wasn't a fit, the offense, for him. Right. It'll well, fit I, for Jimmy Garoppolo. It will. Well, yeah, I mean, listen. Even we'll though see. physically they're the same player. Yes, the Raiders had nothing to lose in that. I think that, you know, obviously, like you said, they probably said, we've tried this long enough with Derek Carr. Let's try something else. Uh, you, you wonder. It's you're a bad. good move for both teams, honestly. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm Carr had his, you know, he, he was feeling some kind of a way about it. And, I, you know, that's obvious when you're, you know, you've spent all these years with the same organization. And it is the Raiders. It comes with a little bit of prestige. But you know what? I think at the end of the day, he'll be he'll be fine in New Orleans, which is where I think I predicted he was going. I don't remember. I think you did. What Let me ask you this. How, how How's it going to be to block the 49ers front next year? 
Uh, it's going to be a very daunting task. And for someone who has a son that's in that division, I'm just wondering how they're going to protect their quarterback coming off of a knee injury dealing with that. But yeah, they've got some guys. I mean, you're going to have you're going to have Nick Bosa, you're going to have Armstead who who's a monster and now you're going to have Hargraves who's coming off a career year and and he was he had 11 and a half sacks. I mean, that's going to be I mean, th- they play 3-4, correct? 4-3. Do they still play 4 the 4 yeah, Nico Ryan's is gone, so I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe Okay. They'll it would make sense to have four guys down there going crazy. But, you know, at some point, San Francisco 49ers, you're going to have to turn these massive um, compilation of talent into, into a rate. Well, now the real question becomes for them, what are they, you know, what's quarterback look like next year? I mean, Purdy's coming off the, he's going to be coming off Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a lot of film that people study because again, he, you know, he had the benefit of, kind of being the new guy in the block. And then you have Trey Lance, who really the first couple of games he played before he got hurt, wasn't distinguishing himself. So they have a they have talent all over in San Francisco, except they have big question mark, I think, at, at the biggest position. Yeah, and I agree with your assessment, and I still say Trey Lance doesn't fit that offense. And I think that's maybe um, something that Shanahan knew. Because I do believe the stories that he wanted Mac Jones. He's Mac Jones is his kind of a quarterback. So Trey Lance doesn't really fit what it is he wants to do there. Brock Purdy does, but again, coming off of a serious elbow injury, we're just going to have to see what happens there. They'll sack the hell out of people, whether or not they can find the end zone with any amount of consistency. Now that people have a book on Purdy is going to be the big question mark going into the season. Down here, we made some noise. And by down here, I mean here in Miami, Jalen Ramsey leaves Los Angeles, leaves one big market and comes to this big market. What did you think of that move? I mean, I take him for a third round pick. Yeah, the fire sale sale is on for the Rams. I think it's a good landing place for Jalen Ramsey. Going to pair up with Xavier Howard. And it's just going to be interesting to see how teams decide now they're going to want to attack that defense. It won't be... In schematically what it was last year, there were a lot of wild all-out blitzes, kind of putting the back end on the burner. Um, and, you know, I don't want to say exposed. Well, I'm a closet that. Dolphin fan now. I mean, my guy's down there play as a defensive coordinator. Yes, the big fan Joe's down there. Yes. Be more zone play. Um, they're definitely not going to roll the dice as much as they did last year, but they have Ramsey. They, they have Xavier Howard, and they've got a great young safety in Javon uh, Holland. So it's going to be and tough. Plus, you know, the people, people out there in the audience might wonder, well, you know, okay, Ramsey's been a really good player for a long time at that position. Why only a third-round pick? And, you know, as guys get a little older in this league, and he's not old by any means. He's, I think he's 28, but, you know, older. When you're paying the kind of money, I think his salary is going to be, what, 17 to $20 million in real salary, not cap number. Right. You're, you're not getting much above a third round pick because, you know, somebody's going to have to take on that salary. Sure. Doesn't sure. matter how good a lot the of money tied up in cornerbacks on the. What dog. about Byron Jones? What's he? Is he cut or where? He's cut. I thought he retired. I don't think he's going to play ball again. Okay. But he, he, the Dolphins have parted ways. They've with moved on. Yeah. They've moved okay. on from Byron Jones. And so, okay. Um, you know, that's that. You, you, you couldn't have him also on the team. No, I, I was wondering. I'm thinking how much money they have. Yeah. To- what are they doing? Are they the New York Yankees or, you know, <laughs> even the Los Angeles Rams and find a way to, you know, jimmy up the salary cap to get what they want? So that's going to be fun to watch. I think it is a good move. And I think it's, a good move for Ramsey to be in the kind of defense that I think Vic Fangio is going to run. It's not heavy, heavy man-to-man. It's going to be a nice combination and mix for that. It's going to be a whole lot of, you know, if I can get into schematics here, a whole lot of situations where Ramsey can have his eyes in on the quarterback and maybe jump some routes. Uh, We already know that Xavier uh, Howard is really, really good at that. Very instinctive player who will jump routes and, uh, you know, take some chances. He can be Trayvon Diggs-ish. And he, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna make some really, really big plays. I think both guys will be able. To that play. division, that division on paper, and we did this last year with the AFC West. So we don't know till they actually get through training camp and play some games. But on paper, the AFC should be brutal. I mean, Buffalo. I expect them to be very good. Uh, I I think the Dolphins will be right there with them for the division title. We just I don't know t- why, but I feel like the Bills are gonna pull back. 
Oh, no, I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying they're going to win. I think pull back, like not make the playoffs type. No, we're going to see the, we're going to, we're going to see the roller coaster heading in the other direction. Uh, well, they have an issue there. We, we, you know, we'll talk about that more as the offseason goes along until they get Josh Allen, if they can get him protecting the football again. The, yeah, the, the, they have, I could see them pulling back going in right now on paper. I think the Dolphins are a favorite. The Jets with Rodgers, if they, assuming he goes there, they become a dangerous team. And let's, yeah, not an easy out. And the Patriots probably are the last place team, believe it or not. Things change quick, life comes at you quick in the NFL. Well, you know, look at the moves they've been making. So I think there'll be some drama at the end of the year between Bill Belichick and, um, you know, Robert Kraft. Some decisions are probably going to have to be made there. Yeah. They end up being the last place team. That that will be the story. What do you think about Tom Brady's replacement in Tampa? Baker Mayfield. Yes. I don't know, man. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit of a silent rooter for Baker Mayfield. I thought the Rams thing was was good for him. Oh no, he played if he plays like he did with the Rams, I think Tampa Bay will be okay. Yes, but it's I thought that system and having that particular coach works for Baker because Baker is just not going to work everywhere. He has to be in a certain kind of a system where they kind of spread things out. They're up tempo. The Cleveland was literally the worst place for him. I know he had really great commercials. He did. Um, he was with Cleveland, but it's not the system for him. And we got to see rather quickly that he was just more comfortable in what it is the Rams did. So I was hopeful that he would stay there because I I like to see, I hate to see a guy be a good college football player, be taken out of a college and drafted by a team that has does not have the infrastructure or the plan to continue doing what it is that player is good at and have that player fail. I just really hate to see that. So it was good for me to see that happening for Baker. I don't know what's going to happen with Tampa. I do like Kyle Trask. I thought Kyle Trask would be good. Now, stepping this is a nice segue. You just you you gave me a layup there because I missed an opportunity when I was talking to you about the 49ers. That speaking of guys who are good college, great college players, my guy may have found himself in in a situation that benefits him with the quarterback whisperer Shanahan. Sam Darnold is now a 49er. I guess he can kind of just hang back there and watch things unfold. I think he'll get into some preseason games and look look really good and probably muddy up that whole quarterback situation. Well, I mean, they obviously got him for a reason. They already got two guys on the roster. So, you know, you got to think if he plays well and, and, and Lance doesn't improve or doesn't fit the system, then it becomes a question of if he, you know, him and Purdy, and Purdy's coming off an injury. I mean, it's not crazy to think if things broke the right way, he could be their week one starting quarterback. Sam Darnold ends up becoming the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, kind of revives his career there. Trey Lance leaves and heads to the Baltimore Ravens after the Ravens mess this whole thing up with Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson heads elsewhere. Not going to throw names out as to where possibly I think that could happen. What? I'm throwing that out there. Well, wait, where could I mean, Lamar Jackson is essentially somebody could offer him a contract and Baltimore could match it, which I think they will. I mean, my guess is what Baltimore is doing is let someone else set the market. Yes. In other words, then the owner from the Ravens can go back to his people and his board and everybody, his other partners and say, listen. That's the market firm. I'm matching it. I'm not losing my quarterback. I hate all this for Lamar Jackson. This is probably a smart play for the organization, the way they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, because they're so far apart. I mean, you know, my, I mean, my, you're reading, I'm sure, what I've read. You know, they offered him three years and $94 million or something like that. He's probably looking at a Russell Wilson-type deal or a Deshaun Watson. So you got this Grand Canyon between the two. So they're saying, hey. We'll get we'll give him a tag that he can go out and negotiate his own deal, and then we're just going to match it anyway. I need to speak on this because you know there's a whole bunch of commentary going on online about this. Obviously, one of the the big reason is because Lamar Jackson is black. It's another black quarterback that seems to be getting screwed over in the league. Okay, I understand that, but I think what folks, if they're being honest, and what they need to understand is is that historically things have not ended well for players that play that position like this. And I would beg and ask everyone to, I call Lamar Jackson a runaround quarterback. 
Now that's not a derogatory term. It's more of a description of their style of play. We love Lamar Jackson because he does run off with that football and have exciting plays running with the ball in his hand. But I would ask anyone listening that's been around watching football for any amount of time, more than two decades, when have you seen that type of quarterback raise this Lombardi trophy? I can think of only one player, and even his style had to be tweaked and changed a little bit for it to happen. Can you think of that player, Amo? Uh, well, it, I mean, early on, Elway. Elway ran a lot. Elway did not win a Super Bowl until he until he changed his style. style. Yeah, right. He started handing the ball off to a running back. And yeah, well, I mean, who is that? Who you were thinking of, or somebody no. else? No, because that John Elway that won Super Bowl was not that guy. No, okay. Oh, you're not saying the guy won it playing a run around style? Yes. Mm, this is an interesting question. Yeah, I know it wasn't Fran Tarkington. Take, I'm dating take, myself there. Uh, let me think here. Who ran around? Hmm. Tell me. I wish I could play some Jeopardy music. Do, do, do. <laughs> Steve Young. That's it. That, you're right. Good, and good Steve one. Steve Young was yeah. a run around. He was a run around quarterback. Tampa, and he came to San Francisco in that West Coast offense, and they had to curtail some of that running around and get him to go through reads first. Can you go through these reads first before you take off? So, yes, he still had that running ability. I cannot sit here and say he got he did away with that. All anyone's ever going to do is send me the clip of him running against the Minnesota Vikings. And yep. um, But he's the only guy that I could even put in that category to have won a Super Bowl. That's not what this position um, has historically turned into a championship. And on top of that, History shows that this player gets a severe injury, and the Ravens just you're you're, you're a freakonomics guy. You like that book, yes, yes. And for our listeners, anybody who hasn't read it, it's a really interesting read. It'll open your eyes about different subjects. It's not about, a very good author who has more than one really good book out there. Yes, yes. Anyway, I think people conflate two things. They relate them in a situation like this that are they're looking at it backwards. They'll say, oh. To your point, Lamar Jackson's getting screwed over because he's black, and this happens to black quarterbacks. And to your point, for whatever reason, most guys with that athletic ability, if we're being honest, that run around are black. It's not they're not getting screwed over because they're black. They're getting screwed over because they play a style that leads to injuries. <laughs> that's you know, that's who has that ability. Yes. And, um, and and frankly, it just has not. It's not ended well for most guys that play that. Randall Cunningham ended up on a stretcher. Dak Prescott was running around early in his career. Stretcher. Robert Griffin. Stretcher. I mean, and Newton fell off of, off of a cliff. Um, <laughs> so there's a very limited shelf life with that. And you would hope for Lamar Jackson that he would at some point reach probably sooner than Michael Vick did. Of course, there was a little period of time where he had to be away from the game. But Michael Vick ended up in Philadelphia and became less of that runaround guy that he was. It's almost like what happened with Steve Young. Yes. Became less of that player and more of a guy that would go through reads. It just happened too late in his career. It'd be nice if Lamar Jackson would do that, which is why, Emil, if things don't work out from a physical standpoint for Tua in Miami, I happen to like the kid and know him personally, so I'm not wishing any of that on him. But if it doesn't work out and he has to leave the game, that's where I would like to see Lamar Jackson go because I think he would work well in that offense. And I think maybe Mike McDaniel could get him to turn into that kind of a quarterback that can run an offense and let's just try and make plays out of the pocket. And when you absolutely positively have to, have to take off and run and then do your thing. Well, and let's be honest, that's in a way, I mean, not now the, obviously the arm talent is different, but Patrick Mahomes, will run when he has to, but generally he runs in the pocket to throw the ball. Yeah, and that's hell. And that's what Aaron Rodgers um, had been until maybe the last three years. I will always remember, and I'm sure you won't forget, there was the Aaron Rodgers playoff game against the Dallas Cowboys and Amo, I believe I was- Are you bringing that up every show for the whole offseason? I I still remember the play. The reason why, it's not even that play. It was the entire game. And I remember I was coaching at the time. And I said to myself, that's the scariest looking thing 
that I've seen in a long time. A quarterback that plays like that, that can scramble around in the pocket, that can take off and hurt you when he does decide to run. If you decide to run coverages where everyone's back is turned. Oh, and by the way, he can laser that ball into any part of the field. And you know the thing, the play in that game is it wasn't the play that they got the field goal to win it. The play I still can't get out of my head in that game. Because that was 2016. The Cowboys had the number one seed. They had dug themselves a big hole early, came back, game was tight. And if you remember, it was early in the fourth, I want to say, or mid-fourth. They brought that kid. He was played for Dallas. He was the white safety, big kid. Mm. Could cover me, okay, but he could hit. Okay. Mm. They brought him on a on a blitz, and he got a clean shot from not his backside, his front side. He got Rogers didn't see him. He came around, and I'm figuring the we're gonna have the ball in their 25 yard line. It, he's gonna fumble, right? I mean, he, it was just a clean shot. I don't know how Rogers held on to that ball. He must have a meat hook for a hand. <laughs> I mean, this kid hit. Do you remember the play? I do. Yes. Yes, mashed the hell out of him and managed to hold on to that ball. I do remember that play, yes. Yes, so no, I, I hear you on everything we're talking about here. So if Lamar Jackson could come close to being that, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, if he could become Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he can, but it's highly unlikely because he's a, Aaron Rodgers is a generational talent at that position playing that way. But if he can come somewhere close to that, he could he could be something we've never seen before. Somebody wrote an interesting article about this situation this week saying that the it was a rumor more so, not an article, that maybe the commanders would make a run at him. But at the end of the article, they said there's no way <laughs> that the Ravens owner is not matching that deal and letting of him sign essentially with the other team in town because they're, yeah. they're right next to each other. Yeah, there's no way that's happening. No. I mean, the best they can hope for is um, the commanders throwing a deal out there to just kind of mess with the entire negotiations anyway, which is not above uh, the commanders to do that. We're going to end this show on uh, Cowboys talk. And, you know, that's it. That's your thing. And cornerback talk. Stephon Gilmore going to the Cowboys, matching up with Trayvon Diggs. What, what's your feeling on that? Is that is that well, what, Gilmore is the same age as Slay? And, and, you know, he had that he was coming off. And what I understand is he got a meniscus cleaned up before last season. They said, so the year before he was banged up. I think he was with Carolina last year on a bad Colts team. He played very well. He did. He played very well. I read that the quarterback rating against him was about a 74, which stinks in today's league. uh, Meaning he did a good job. He had two or three picks. I mean, for what they paid one year, they're going to owe him. They're paying him nine, a little under 10 million. And they gave up a fifth round compensatory pick on top of it. So, the 170-something pick in the draft. Um, I I can't criticize the move. I was pleasantly surprised that Jerry finally got aggressive here. Because I think if you're Dallas, now you you have you have uh, Diggs, you have Gilmore. Bland, the rookie, played very well last year. He had four or five picks. He was a surprise fifth-round pick. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Lewis comes back, which allows them to move on from Anthony Brown. I mean... I don't, I don't think it's a bad move. No, I, I, I think at least for a couple of years there, that's a really good pairing, and it's going to be fun to watch that. Watch Ramsey and, and Howard in, in Miami. You still like Gilmore? I do. I do. Okay. Very fundamentally sound player. Uh, not a big-time gambler, but he will find himself around the football. I like smart guys at that position. And so I think it's a it's a really good thing. you got a gambler on one side. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you want two – I mean, you already know Diggs yeah. is going for the ball. <laughs> right. Uh, and you know what? For a young player like Trevon Diggs, to have a guy like that in the locker room that he can, you know, continue to 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 grow mentally um, at the position there, I think that's just going to be a good thing for Diggs in his career. So um, I like Diggs not just as a player. I like tend to watch interviews with these guys on, on the stage, you know, because I'm a Cowboys fan. Yes, he is, and I don't know what your experience is or isn't with him as far as training. He came and he, he came and worked out with me for a week last year. I mean, he's a very nice guy to interview. I mean, very polite. Yeah, great guy, um, humble, especially. You know, this guy was coming to me off of an eleven pick season and was really quite humble. Um, so that was that was uh, great to great to see. And so I wish him all the best. And there's a chance I may um, have a chance to work with him again this year. So that you know that'll be fun and and, and a good thing. 
Yeah, I'm happy with it. Now, before we before we cut out of here completely, is there any other moves? Because I know the first week of free agency, and you know, even though it officially started today, as we said at the beginning of the show, this started as soon as the tampering period opened, the three-day tampering period. Um, was there any other moves that you found? I didn't think the contracts were quite as crazy this year as we've seen in other years. Am I are you Off the not- top of my head, I can't really think of something. I, I, I thought we hit the really big ones here. We're probably missing something. I, I will say this. Every year, the biggest mistakes made in free agency are made in those first three days. Every year, fans want their team to make really big moves in those first three days. <laughs> it's just funny. Um, how fans really want this. And a lot of times it's the teams that kind of sit pat and let all those bullets fly and then wait and pick up, you know, make the really good pickups in days four, five, et cetera. Um, those are the ones who really end up winning. So, But you know why I think that is, to, to your point, because you coach and you understand this, right? Most people who watch football like all the other sports too, right? So in the other sports, they tend to be very top-heavy in free agency. So in basketball. If you're not getting one of the stars, it doesn't matter, right? If you don't have baseball, while you need a deep roster in baseball, most of the big free agent moves are very early. You know, there's there's a few big game-altering guys, allegedly, right? And even then, in baseball, it usually doesn't work either. Basketball is probably the one where getting the star matters. Football, you've got 60 guys counting your practice squad, maybe 65, right, that can contribute to a successful team. And unless it's the quarterback, usually loading up on a salary at an offensive guard doesn't help you. And Amal, how many times do we see a big free agent quarterback signing workout? Also, I mean, not no, very- no, no. I, listen, I'm I'm with you. You and I are in lockstep on this. What I'm trying to say is, I could almost justify and explain away quarterback because if you're going to go big at that position, it it's just the position you got to have a good player there. I'm not saying it's, it works out. Yeah. But like you see these teams like I mean, I'm not I don't watch enough Atlanta Falcons football to have an opinion. I'm sure the guy's a good player, but their offensive guard just got paid. He's the highest paid guard in the league. OK, right. he's not the best guard in the league. Right. But he's the highest paid. <laughs> good for that guy. Yeah. Um, and just anything coming out of Atlanta that's able to get that kind of money, considering what they've been the last few years is. True. His agent, his agent did a really, really good job. So good for that guy. All right. Um, there'll be more signings uh, in the in the days to come. So we'll have plenty of content for you in next week's show. We appreciate you coming in and checking in with us today and um, listening to us pontificate on the signings <laughs> that are going on across the league. But we are in the middle of the free agency period and the year-round show that is the NFL right now. But soon we will uh, be coming into some. Uh, spring spring football, Amel, is underway in several spots. So there'll and be you know what happens after spring football ends? Um, transfer be- portal. Huh? Transfer, transfer portal. portal. Yes. How <laughs> can I forget? Because college football is getting their own year-round television show going together. So there'll be plenty for us to report. But again, we're happy that you checked in here with us. If you uh, have not subscribed to the show, go ahead and hit that right now so that you can find us each and every week just like you did today. All right. Once again, appreciate you guys listening to us. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. We'll see you guys next time.